0: Uh, I'm gonna talk tonight. uh, I'm actually gonna start a new series on uh, wisdom and understanding. I felt the Lord said I want you to speak um, out of Proverbs and some other verses Um, and I'm gonna call it to know his ways uh, because I believe that wisdom is coming to an understanding of seeing life and knowing the ways of God. How does he think about life? How does he view life? Uh, I had a I had a vision years ago and I was like in this library and I've been in some old libraries. There's one in Dublin. I was, it was really cool. And, um, it was kind of like that, um, with like, you know, the old books and like the cool ladders, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay, you know what I'm talking about, praise the Lord. So, uh, you know, these ladders and beautiful books, and it was like, it was this big circular library, and it was multiple levels, and it was, I knew it was all this classic literature of like all, you know, these amazing Plato and Socrates and all this stuff. And I saw the Holy Spirit in the middle of this library, and he was like infused in all of these books, and they were just like this small measure of wisdom. In the middle of this library, I just saw, it was like the hovering presence of God. And the Lord spoke to me, he said, I'm a genius, Jordan. He said, I know everything, all the wisdom of the world, the the greatest works of philosophy and literature and and wisdom, they all are seeking to communicate what is derived from me. And it's all in me. And he said, when you abide in me, you have access to all this and more. Right? And the truth is that God is a genius. Does everyone agree with that? Right? He is the author of life. Right? Like, he created life. He knows how to live it. Like, who wants to live life with the author of life who is a genius as your personal tutor? That's the gospel. That's good news. We can go home. Right? He sends another helper. The spirit of truth who will make known to you the counsel of God. Right? So we have this privileged access to God. And we have access to his wisdom. And so I want us to journey. We're going to journey the next few weeks to what what does this wisdom look like? And how do we begin uh, to, you know, partner with wisdom and receive wisdom and ask for wisdom? What is our relationship with wisdom as the body of Christ? Um, so there's a, a couple famous verses but I think most of us have heard, uh, the first is in Exodus 33. Uh, we see Moses uh, on the mountain with God, and he makes this cry. God tells him he's found favor in his sight. And He says, God, if I've found favor in your sight, he says, let me know your ways so that I can know you. Right, so this leader of a nation is crying out, I want to know your ways, God, so I can know you. Right, and perhaps the even more famous cry is that of the young king Solomon. God comes to him, Solomon, what do you want? Ask and I'll give it to you. And he actually doesn't ask for wisdom. That's kind of a misnomer. He actually says, God, give me an understanding heart so that I can know justice. Right, both these men, they're crying out, God, I, I want to know your ways. And God replies to Solomon and says, yes, I'll give you a wise and discerning heart so that you can know justice. You can judge rightly. Right? So we have these leaders that are crying out for the wisdom of God. I like to ask questions of one of these things, and why? So why? Why are these men crying out for wisdom? And also then, why should we cry out for wisdom? Um, I believe that this it's for this reason, it may be others, but this is what I'm going to talk about tonight. Wisdom unlocks the power of unforeseen uh, consequences. Sorry. Wisdom unlocks the power of unforeseen consequences. All right, what do I mean by this? Um, I'm going to read a verse here out of Proverbs 3. We'll read Proverbs 16 in a little bit together, but you can skim to Proverbs 3 if you want. I'm going to read verse 19 and 20. This is Solomon writing. He says this, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up. And the skies drip with dew. All right, so this is poetic, but I kind of want to break this down. What is he practically saying here? He says, wisdom, in wisdom he founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. So he's talking about the sky. Like he put the sky there. Then he says, by his knowledge, the deeps were broken up. He's talking about the ocean, right? And then the skies drip with dew, the rain, right? So he's actually describing the ecosystem of planet earth, Right? Which we all know, the oceans have the water, it evaporates into the sky, it then comes to the land, it dumps in rain, you get snow caps that then create rivers, and the rivers flow back into the ocean. Right, It's the circle of life. Right? Water is what fuels life. And if you think about this whole ecosystem of planet Earth, how comprehensive and huge is it? Right? Everything is connected. Right? And it's like, by wisdom, you establish the way that life happens. So I just want you to think about all the unforeseen consequences that take place you know, because a river flows through a certain land. Right? That's how the life, you know, when, when I was in Israel, they talk about the Jordan, and they say it's the life of the land. I like that. Right? Rivers provide land. They provide, um, uh, you know, nutrient. They grow things, and it create, like, it's all connected. Right? So there's all these consequences in this circle of life, right? And so we as humans, oftentimes, we don't have this full counsel of God. So we come and we do things such as build a dam on a river right and we see the consequences of why we do it you know maybe the river was flooding the city it was dangerous so we build a dam we do this but then we don't recognize oh well then that had this consequence which meant then the water dried up down the way and then the fish couldn't get up there so then that fish there's no more food supply for those animals so the animals migrated and then down here at the other end now that swamp isn't a swamp anymore because there's no water and the ecosystem's dead are you following me like, there are a lot of consequences for all the decisions that take place in, the, in just the natural ecosystem and habitat of planet Earth. Right. right? That's the point I'm trying to make. And by wisdom, God created this whole beautiful, complex, amazing system called life. This planet that we inhabit. Right? We often underestimate the implications of our decisions both good and bad, right? And I'll just give like some practical examples like uh, the highway system. We didn't realize that that was gonna like make some towns ghost towns when we made it, right? We're like, no, this is gonna get us from there to there quicker. We didn't realize the implications, right? We don't realize the implications of when you create a coffee shop. Right? We just think, like, yeah, I'm going to create a business, da-da-da. We don't think about the fact that, like, people are going to meet in that coffee shop that might get married, that have kids, right? Are you following me? Like, that's kind of cool, right? Who likes coffee shops? Right? Who met in a coffee shop? Right? Like, there's all these things that can happen. Relationships form there. Uh, you know, communities built. People have huge conversations, hard conversations. Like, we don't know. It's not just economic. It, it, it changes a community. Right? The actions, the way we live has these implications. They're so far beyond what we are able to compute. Right? And, it's, and it's true in the negative. Right? Anybody, I, I imagine that every single person in this room has been adversely affected by divorce. You may have been two, three, four relationships away from it, but I imagine it got to you. Because we start realizing how interwoven and interconnected our lives are. I could say the same for addiction. Every person in this room has been adversely affected by an addiction. Right? We don't stop and think, oh, wow, me performing in these, 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 these bad things, it's going to affect people that I've never met in a negative way. Right? And you can flip it in the, same, the, the opposite direction. Acts of righteousness, a life of holiness... Will lead to a, a a life that has redemption beyond what we'll be able to be able to compute. Are you following me? We underestimate the implications of our decisions. There are unforeseen consequences of every decision that we make in our lives because we're powerful beings and what we do is creative and it impacts our world. Right? And wisdom unlocks this power. It actually utilizes this power of unforeseen consequences in our favor. Right? We want the unforeseen consequences of our life to be redemption and goodness in the earth, not destruction and chaos. Amen? So we need wisdom. So Moses, Solomon, they're in positions of authority and leadership, and they are aware of this. They are aware that the decisions I'm making from this platform that God has given me are going to have huge implications beyond what I can see. And the reality—it's a vulnerable reality—is that there is a silent pause between sowing and reaping that, in our human perspective, we cannot bridge. I, I cannot see past this silent pause, this silence between the act of sowing and the reaping of that sowing. Right, so we're left in this space. Like, how do you know that generosity produces abundance? How how do I know that a life of prayer produces fruitfulness? How do I know that surrender creates meaning? How do I know that the letting go of that is actually going to be joy in my life? How do you know this? We can't see it. If the kingdom's not like this, it's not manifest the next day. Right? How do we know? We're all looking for this validation. How do I know that the decisions I'm making are going to be good and not bad? Because we've all seen people make good decisions that create bad. Right? So there's this silent pause. It's uncomfortable. I believe the only way that we bridge this is when we become connected to divine wisdom. Because wisdom gives us perspective we need that we can see by faith the, what the sowing will, will reap. Right? We might not see all of it, but we will begin to live in agreement with the counsel of God, with the wisdom of God. And he's a genius. He's the author of life. He knows how to make this thing work. If we don't have wisdom, we're left to judge our actions by the immediate external consequences that they produce. And this is very dangerous. Very dangerous. And that is because... It is a superficial judgment of our actions, and oftentimes the immediate results of actions are not disclosing of the true merit of what these are, of what these decisions are actually creating, right? And I'll give you an example that this happens all the time. I imagine most of us in this room have dealt with this in a work environment to some form or another, and that would be the implementation of control in leadership, Right? So the reason we control people, which is an act of manipulation, is because people's behavior, they're behaving in a way that makes me afraid. So people are operating in a way that makes me afraid. It can make me threatened. It can make me feel insecure. It can make me feel whatever. If I choose, because I'm afraid, to then use manipulation and the authority that I have to manipulate people into a behavior that doesn't make me afraid, which happens all the time, right? I'm manipulating. This is what we can think if we're judging by external, immediate results. Well, there was chaos. This was making me afraid. This was creating conflict. I used control, created peace, and I made peace. Everything's good now. The organization's running. The family's running. The whatever, it's, it's all good now. But that's superficial, right? Because the truth is that you sowed Discord. You sowed control. You partnered with fear. And so it might not manifest in a year or for a decade or for three decades, but eventually the fruit of that decision will be chaos and disorder. Right? Right? You have to judge. Everything is judged by its source. Did it come from self? Did it come from fear? Or did it come from God? Was it motivated by love? Because love never fails. But fear will produce that for which it is afraid of. All right. I'm still in the introduction, so bear with me. Every action that we perform in our life speaks a message. We know this. Actions speak louder than words, right? So every action has a message attached to it. When we begin to live a life that is governed by wisdom, when we begin to see and perceive and think like God does, our actions will begin to communicate a message that is resonant with the full counsel of heaven. A.K.A. we will live a life that is blessed, a life that is good, and a life that has unforeseen consequences of redemption and the inbreaking of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven to people three, four, five, six relationships away from us, the implications of our actions will be redemption because we are partnering with the divine wisdom of heaven. We are living in sync with the author of life that created the whole ecosystem of planet earth. By wisdom, the earth was founded. When we begin to get in tune with this wisdom, every act we do will release redemption Into this beautiful place called earth. Doesn't that sound awesome? Amen. So that is all to say. We must be a people marked by wisdom. We must be a people who cry out for wisdom. Like James 1. If anybody, if you ask for wisdom with faith without doubting. It will be given to you. Proverbs 3 says there's nothing that compares to wisdom. For fruit's better than silver, it's better than gold. Fine, precious jewels, don't even compare. Wisdom must be this pearl of great price that we seek as the people of God. Amen? Okay, let's switch gears now. So I'm going to talk for the next few weeks about behaviors that God identifies as wise in the scripture. But I'm not going to talk about behaviors. I don't think any of us like to be told, this is what you should do. All right, we're going to seek to understand the whole ecosystem of why God affirms these behaviors as wise. Does that sound okay? Yeah. All right, so tonight uh, we're going to talk about accountability. And I define accountability as this. It's inviting counsel, instruction, and correction into your life. All right, and here's a few verses right out of Proverbs. Um, Proverbs 11.4 says this. Everyone's heard it. Wait, that's the wrong verse. I think I typed in. It's 10.4. Uh, no, doesn't matter. By abundance of counselors, you will succeed, right? Uh, and there's, uh, there's, a number, there's a number of these, uh, even Proverbs 1.5. I know that's the right verse. I'll read that one for you. A wise man will hear an increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. All right, There are so many verses that talk about wise counsel in the Proverbs, uh, it's you can read them through, and you'll you'll find it yourself. Uh, next one here is instruction. Proverbs one eight: Hear, son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Proverbs three one: My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and peace they will add to you. Proverbs four one: Hear, O son, the instruction of a father. I'm just. We could go for like all night, but instruction, we are to receive instruction, right? And then lastly, uh, Proverbs 15, 31, you should have Mark 6, you could have, you should have chapter 16, Mark, so it's right above that. It says, he whose ear listens to the life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. And that word reproof could also be used more modern as correction, right? So, counsel instruction, teaching, and correction reproof. Does this make sense so far? Okay. So these are all behaviors that God endorses as wise, right? And before we go on, I just want to speak a little bit to like wise counsel. Um, There's two kind of mishaps I've seen myself fall into and others that I've talked to. And the first is on the receiving end of wise counsel. There's two things that qualify someone as wise counsel in your life. One is intentionality. Two is consistency. And what I mean by intentionality is that wise counsel or wise counsel, when you have intentionally told them, I need you to speak into my life, right? You've set an intention to the relationship. Right? so there's there's something that defines the space it's not like a casual just like yeah that guy's my wise counsel it's like does he know that or are you just using his words to like affirm your actions right wise counsel has intention to the relationship. And second, it has consistency. And why I say consistency is you have to develop a relationship with wise counsel where you're going to them through many seasons of life, because a lot of times we all know you do not identify bad patterns until the the cycles start being seen. Are you following me? So I have had people that come to me about about once a year and they come to me and they'll talk to me and they'll share and then they disappear and it's with someone else and then it's with someone else, then it's with another group, then it's with another group, then it's with another group, then it's with me. And the cycle repeats because there's no consistency. Are you following me? So for wise counsel to be wise counsel has to be intentional and consistent because what we will do if it's not intentional and consistent is we will go and just talk with someone until someone affirms what we wanna hear. And it's like, yeah, I got my wise counsel good to go, right? Who's done it? Who's done it? I've done it, right? Just let me tell you my story. I'm right, right? Yeah, that sounds so right. Good. I knew I was justified, right? So wise counsel, intentional and consistent, right? And then on the flip side, when we're giving wise counsel, when we are the wise counsel, this is not an opportunity to preach at people. This is not an opportunity to tell people what to do. This is about active listening, Right? It's active listening, reflecting back, this is what I hear, and then honest disclosing of where you feel resonance and where you feel disturbance with what they are communicating to you. And the greatest gift we can give is not advice, it's memories, it's experience. It's here's what I learned in a similar type situation. All right, so those little nuggets, let's keep going. So accountability, inviting counsel, instruction, and correction— from intentional and consistent relationships that we've identified as wise counsel. So, uh, there's a breakdown often. Like, so, who agrees with everything I just said? Like, who, who agrees we need this? Yeah, I, like, most people, I think we agree. Like, we know, like, yeah, I, I need this. But there is a breakdown between the acknowledgement that we need this and then the implementation of it in our lives. Right? And this is what I see the breakdown is. We will invite feedback into our behaviors, but we will not invite them into our wills itself. And the will is the faculty within us where we make decisions. I will do this. I will not do that. Right? This is when we start talking about the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. Because all our behaviors are derived from our beliefs. But when it comes to accountability, we will often invite people into our behaviors, but we will not invite them into this vulnerable real estate of our beliefs where the thoughts, the motives, the intentions of our hearts actually lie. Does this make sense? So Proverbs 16, we should be there. It says this in verse 2. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight. But the Lord weighs the motives. So we will invite people sometimes into our behaviors, but that has limited effect. Because behaviors are derived from our beliefs, from our motives, from our thoughts, from our intentions. Hebrews 4, the word of God is sharp like a double-edged sword. Dividing to the spirit and the soul and judging the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God wants to come in here into our will, into our decision-making faculty, and speak feedback into us so that we can uh, oftentimes be exposed and rid of our own ways or clean in our own sight. And the reason that our own ways are clean in our own sight is because we justify all the actions we do with good intentions. That's what humans are. Very few people have bad intentions with their actions, Right? But we justify them with good intentions, and those can blind us from the truth. So God knows we need each other. So I would say that godly accountability, biblical accountability, is we are inviting people into the thoughts, the motives, and the intentions of our heart, which means we are disclosing vulnerably this is what's going on inside me. This is why I'm doing this. This is what I'm thinking about doing. Are you following, like I'm letting you actually speak into the decision itself, not just talk about why I'm doing decisions that are bad or good. It's different. It's a lot scarier. That's <laughs> really quiet. So Um so this um hits the nail on the head, you know, that I'm accountable to God. That is true, but that is not an excuse to what I just said. Because in his wisdom, dependence upon God includes reliance upon other people. We together form the body of Christ. I'm the eyes, you're the ears, you're the nose, you're the, right? Different senses, different perception, and the only way we will come to truth is when we are one, when we are united together. So God actually designed us to be dependent upon him, which means interdependent upon one another, right? So you are not God to me, but you are a, an agent that will help me perceive him. We need each other in order to define uh, or to discern him correctly. Right. Interesting enough, 1 Corinthians 14, right? the Lord weighs motives, 1 Corinthians 14, we are to weigh prophecy. Same word. Judge, discern. Is this of God? Is this not of God? Is this, is this pure motive? Is this selfish motive? Was this word derived from the spirit or was it derived from the flesh? So even our relationship with God, we are designed where we need people, not just like out here, but this is, let me invite you into what I believe God is speaking to me. You know, let me invite you to weigh in. I believe God's telling me to do this. Let me actually... Give you access to speak into my decision-making process, to speak into if you have issues, you 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 know, I don't know if the motives of your heart are pure. Let me speak and let me let me weigh this with you right, there is no grounds for independence in the Bible, all right, this is, uh, last year, Sometimes this is a simple story, Rick wouldn't even know this, but most of you are familiar with, um, you know, my my spiritual director, my mentor, Rick, and I was with him a number of months ago, I was kind of struggling, and uh, I remember I was so excited to share with him, we meet about once a month, and I disclose, here's my thoughts, here's my intentions, here's the good ones, here's the bad ones, um, and I was sh- I was so excited to share some plans I had for the future, some things that I'd really been thinking a lot about. Um, and it kind of got to the point where it was time to share, and I, like, shared all of this. And he just, like, looked at me, and he just kind of was like, hmm. He was like, yeah, that, that all seems okay. He's like, but I'm not really sure why you would need to talk about that right now. He's like, it doesn't really seem of importance. <laughs> he kind of, like, burst in my bubble. I was like, you know, like, you know, like, <laughs> no, kick the dead horse, wake up, wake, you know, it's like, no, and it like bothered me, right, so I was disturbed, so I like, you know, the next couple of days, I was just like, why did he burst my bubble, Lord, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, yeah, those things are good ideas, he said, but you're using these future predictions as an escape route, because you're afraid right now, and you don't want to with your fear, and I was like, crap. If I did not invite him into that space, I could have easily seen myself going. And I would have done this as a 20-year-old. I would have just started acting on those things in the name of God told me. Would have got down the road. Who knows how far down the road till the unforeseen consequences started stepping up. When my motivation, my motive was fear. It was not love. We won't know that unless people are in here. Not just, hey, let's talk about these behaviors, what do you think? No, in, in, in your face, intruding into this intimate space where you make decisions. That's as vulnerable as it gets. And I would propose to you tonight that inviting, as scary as it might be, to let wise counsel who love you, right, intentional relationships, people that you know hear from God, to let them into that space. It's scary, but I can promise you it's not as scary as inviting God there because he's holy. And so we are living a lie if we think we have no one in that space, but we're accountable to God because it is people that God uses us to train us so that we can get to the point, okay, I'm ready for you now. Our goal in everything is that we want to be like Jesus. So turn to Matthew 26. I'm going to read a story that is an intense one, but it reveals that what I'm talking about was very evident within the heart of Jesus. um, Do you all agree with me that crisis reveals character? Right? So what, we, what comes out of us in the most intense moments of life reveals what is the abiding reality of our life. Right? We don't, uh, in crisis situations, all of a sudden find this gold that wasn't there. Um, we find the real essence of ourselves. And so here's Jesus in the crisis of his life. And we're just going to read uh, three verses here, which is 36 through 39. The Garden of Gethsemane. Says then Jesus came with the disciples to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour, keep watching and praying that you may enter into, you may not enter into temptation, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. So Jesus is in the crisis of his life. He's grieved to the point of death. And he knows that that in a few short hours... Uh, he's going to be beaten, scourged, whipped, spat on, humiliated, and hung on a cross. And he's very vulnerably disclosing to the Father, you're seeing insight into how he made decisions. And he's saying on this night, I don't want to do it. I'm scared and I don't want to go. But not as I will. But your will He's showing that the Father had full access to his heart. He says this all throughout the Gospel of John. I don't do anything on my own accord. I do what the Father does. I don't make my own decisions. I do what the Father does. He's showing I'm dependent. I'm dependent. I'm dependent. I let the Father weigh every motive. And I propose that nothing Jesus ever did his whole life was out of self-preservation, was out of self-gratification, was out of self-pleasure. Everything he did his whole life was his motive, was purity to be completely yielded to the leadership of his father. And crisis reveals character. Jesus was so yielded to God. So yielded. That's our goal. That's what God is discipling us to. That is what inviting other people into this journey, it prepares us to get to the place that even in the most severe crises we face, no, no, I know my motives. This is what I will, but it's not about what I will. Your will be done. And the consequences, the unforeseen consequences of Jesus' abandonment to the point of death in Gethsemane It's redemption beyond what we we even can fathom it's transformation and fruitfulness beyond what we we can't we can't describe it we've only seen a a bit of it but we're here tonight because Jesus Christ was completely yielded right he 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 had become he walked in wisdom he walked in wisdom he had wisdom to see you had death surrender this cross though in my own human frailty i i I don't want to do these things he had wisdom that bridged that silent pause and he saw the joy set before him he saw the fruitfulness beyond what he could comprehend and so he yielded to god and he obeyed this is intrusive And highly uncomfortable, but it is the path of wisdom. And God is a genius. He's the author of life. And so my cry is that we be a people marked by wisdom. Which means we are a people who embrace and honor accountability. Who utilize it. Who actually set their intention to pursue and create dynamics where people are speaking into the thoughts, intentions, desires of my heart. Because they know me, they've seen me, and I've, I've humbled myself to allow that. That's what Jesus did. And we're learning to become like him. And he's given us the gift of one another. So this is how I want to close, and I actually, is a... Um, if you, uh, you're not going to have to act on this. It's just more, I just want it to be a show of desire. If you desire, uh, you know, a mentor in your life, like you, that's something you've prayed for, a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, someone to speak into your life. I, I just want you to stand up right now if that's something that you desire, just so that we can see. Some slow risers in the room, so... Awesome. So just look around for a second. A lot of desire. So you can sit now. If you have a desire uh, to to be wise counsel, you have this the capacity and a desire in your heart that you you know you, it's like Lord, there's some, I want to pour into people. I just want you to stand up. again look around see the desire in the room you guys can be seated thank you my point is that everybody wants it but there's a breakdown in the implementation of it it we don't drift into it we got to set intention I'm all about organic I'm a millennial (laughs) I don't want to force anything I want it to be free-flowing right And that's a paradox, but these will organically happen as we intentionally pursue them. Boom. (laughs) So my, my encouragement tonight, and what I want to close in prayer, is that we will be a people marked by wisdom, which looks like setting our intention to begin pursuing this and recognizing that for you to be wise in the sight of God means there better be people speaking into here. Amen? So I'm going to invite you all to stand. I'm going to pray. Father God, we thank you for the wisdom of heaven that you've given us access to. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you... Our, our personal tutor assigned to us to lead us and guide us in this life and lord i can speak i know every person in this room they desire to live a life that brings goodness and redemption to the earth that brings positive transformation god that fulfills this this uh this calling that you uniquely expressed through each one of us. And so God, we need wisdom. We join with Moses, God, we join with Solomon and we cry, God, we wanna know your ways. God, we want an understanding heart. We wanna be a people of wisdom. And so, God, in light of that, I just pray that you will stir us, God, that you will show us how to set our intention, that you will show us who to pursue, you will show us who to seek out, you will teach us how to humble ourselves, God, and that we will face the fear of vulnerability so that we can enter into the treasure of wisdom, God. We believe you, and I just ask, God, that you mark us, that you disturb us, that you stir us into a place, God, of actually making this a reality. We want to implement Biblical accountability in the way we live our lives because we want to be like Jesus. So, God, govern this house with wisdom so that we can be a corporate expression of your goodness in the earth, God. And the unforeseen consequences of what comes out of this little community called River House, God, will be abundant transformation and abundant redemption, loosed. All across the earth, God. People that we'll never see and never meet, God, but only you can. So we believe you, God. We honor you. And we wholeheartedly, with faith tonight, say, God, grant us wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.